uh, I, I would push back on that a little bit in that uh, for myself and for a lot of other people, you know, I, I happen to be atheist, but that wasn't a choice. I didn't actually conscientiously choose that conclusion. It was something that I really couldn't escape from when I couldn't convince myself that it was true. Um, so that, that isn't necessarily a choice for everybody, you know, to not believe something if they simply can't convince themselves. That is hard for me to wrap my head around. Let me finish my thought and then we'll come back to that. Um, mm, you got me thinking good now. We'll talk about current events, religion, politics, philosophy, and science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to be. Hello, Internet people. Welcome back to the Analyzed Podcast. I'm Elias Dan, and I'm here with Thomas, Doubtful Thomas. Hey, guys. Here with Sam, keeping it real as usual. And today, we're having our first guest. Very excited. interesting young man i've met uh one or two times who um had some really interesting conversations with uh politically he's quite a bit younger than us so i'm very anxious to hear his thoughts on a lot of things um because you know we kind of came in at a he's kind of we were that first generation to me and Thomas and and probably Sam too. I'm not sure how old Sam is. He's a little bit older than us. Yeah. We were probably like the first uh, generation to immigrate to the digital world. And I think you're probably the first generation to be born into it, you know. So I'm going to, interesting, I'm interested in hearing kind of your view on and how that maybe has shaped your views, seeing mass media at all times but uh we're here with logan how you doing logan doing pretty well man thanks for having me on i really appreciate this opportunity i've always wanted to do something like this ever since i saw podcasts or as a thing as a community and whatnot so i really appreciate you guys having me on and giving me this opportunity right on man i feel like podcasting is like the the one place on the internet where you might manage to actually hear people have a real conversation about a topic you know everywhere else it's just chaos disinformation attacking each other virtue signaling everything at once and well i'm sure you get plenty of that in podcasting as well (laughs) oh yeah i'm sure Um, it's everywhere yeah, but podcasting, I was a very rigid person for a long time. Uh, people probably wouldn't have considered me that, but um, podcasting 
kind of introduced me to a new way of life. So I'm very interested mm-hmm. to do it. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Logan. Uh, h- how old are you? You know. Well, I uh, I turned 19 in nine days, uh, so I am pretty young. I was born in 2001. Actually, just to go ahead and make everyone feel old. I was born after 9/11. If uh, that's any indicator as to my age. Um, I, uh, I was raised by a pretty conservative family, family, but they claim that I'm the liberal of the family, even though I claim a more libertarian mindset in my personal opinion. I, uh, I've grown up in a country that once had a great history that I still love very deeply. And I still believe in the core values in which it was originally established for that being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And those are things that I had to teach myself because it wasn't taught to me by, you know, my educators. That's a whole part of a whole blanket problem I have with, you know, a system that's broken in my opinion, but back to where I'm back to me for a minute before I go on a tangent. Cause Lord knows I can. Um, I have been on my own. As soon as I turned 18, I moved out of the house and I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Now, I, uh, I'm a little bit country. Uh, I was raised in a small town, Crossville, Tennessee. You know where that is. And little nowhere town, basically. Uh, good people, but, you know, still backwards and whatnot. And my first move, as soon as I turned 18, was to Atlanta, Georgia, to be an actor and a bartender. I did that at the beginning of 2020, just before COVID and the riots and all that hit. So I saw two very different worlds. I went from a very quiet hometown, you know, what, 32,000 people in the entire county to Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, I, I couldn't give you a number off the top of my head, but it was just daylight and dark, you know. Yeah, I, and, I did a similar thing whenever I was about your age. I I grew up in Crossville yeah. as well, and then uh, when I turned 18, I started traveling for work, and we went everywhere from, you know, Tampa to Los Angeles, so uh, same same mm-hmm. thing here. Quite a respect to that. Quite a respect to that. I, I was very fortunate whenever um, I graduated high school very early because my parents were luckily nice enough to let me do an online school. And I could learn at my own pace rather than my peers' pace. And uh, that gave me the opportunity to graduate before I turned 18. My grandfather, who used to actually do like a lot of traveling and sales and things like he used to do international travel, offered to take me on a road trip because he was starting to get to that age where you know he could still drive and get around and do his thing, but he was starting to get older. You know, he's, he's 80 now. And... Uh, we went on a road trip for a month, the month of September in 2019. We drove all the way from here out to Seattle. Like I'm talking through the Great Plains, the Rocky Mountains, Yellowstone, down Highway 5 from Seattle, Washington to um, oh, what's that? San Francisco to Bakersfield to um, oh, what Vegas. Then Highway 40 all the way back, more or less. So I got to see the world before COVID took a grip, or well, the world that I consider 
you know, the normal there's a whole lot more out there in the United States, but you actually get to see a good chunk of it too. So right. I feel like um despite a young age, I've had an opportunity to see a lot of things. And what I find interesting is that there's little difference throughout the entire country. It's just a different group of people yeah. with the same exact story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with that. So you were born into a world that was already on fire, whereas mm-hmm. I think we knew a time of, of peace prior to 2001. And uh, that truly did mark a significant change in the tone of this nation. What What's your take on political events as they're playing out right now? Um, to sound as sane as possible, I believe that politics and polarity are the two things that will dismantle this country, along with ignorance and bliss. I believe that, you know, to paraphrase Benjamin Franklin, they asked him after they got out of one of their congressional meetings, Mr. Franklin, what kind of a government did you give us? He said, a republic, if you can keep it. That means if you are able to maintain the mantle of responsibility that comes with that, if you are able to be well-read, if you're responsible enough to understand all the information that your representatives are voting on and you can sway them where they need to be, then it will remain a truly free republic. But the day that you allow them to make a decision for you is the day you lose that liberty. And I believe that happened long ago, but now it's gotten so twisted and now we're starting to feel the results it it creates this tension so everyone wants to go to the news but the news it seems just confirms your prejudices and uh, makes the polarity even stronger and there's no space in between for any of us and that's that's where you know you ask me a kid my age about politics where were we supposed to fall in line because you guys already made up your mind. And if we were not with you, we were against you. We were either the enemy or your best friend and the enemy had to be defeated. That is so hard of a decision to make whenever your, your parents say one thing, your educators say another thing, the church is telling you one thing, and then you have social media thrown in there in the middle of it. And you try to find a place to identify yourself with. Because everyone talks so heavily about politics, you have to have your opinion too. And now everyone thinks that you're a liberal fruitcake or you're a crazy conservative because you said two or three words at the age of 13 on Facebook. Politics absolutely intimidate and have scared my generation to death. So they let their politicians make the decisions for them. That's what I think personally. Yeah. I mean, it is super polarized. Uh, I mean, I can simultaneously be, you know, criticized for being, um, 
you know, super uh, conservative fascist and also being, you know, uh, far left uh, wing uh, crazy okay. socialist by two different people uh, on the same opinion. Uh, I mean, you there really isn't the center. If I could branch out on that right quick. Yeah. I remember um, whenever my dad and I first used to get into arguments because we're both men of principle. Just don't back down because it's easier. You you fight for what you believe in because that's how he raised me, and I listened to him on that a lot. You know, I'll say something like, um, you know, I believe that global warming is real. I believe that humanity is accelerating the rate at which the Earth is heating, and that is causing issues. To which he says, you want to take my guns too, don't you? And I'm like, no, no, I didn't say that. The global warming is real. Oh, you know, you want to take my guns, don't you? No, <laughs> no I don't. You got see, that's the thing. Yeah, it's rigid. That's... It's polarity. Either you're completely conservative or completely liberal. That's a very and tribalistic a two party system. Yeah, I mean, it, like, as, um, as soon as you are express you a, a Giants fan. Or... Right, right. Yeah, as soon as you express any kind of an opinion that that you know isn't one that they happen to share, then all of a sudden you're you're from the outside. You're the enemy. Which blows my freaking mind. It, it's interesting because mm. our nation was founded on the idea of free thought, and right. we mm-hmm. we've sacrificed that um, to these two political parties that really. I don't even know what they represent anymore. <laughs> Corporations? Yeah, that's about it. I mean, Ooh, two sides of the same coin. Good and word. I think we're all tired of it, but uh, but there's no solution. We just third parties are, are not getting anywhere. Well, and I mean, if, if even if you happen to like a third party, um, if you vote for it, you're basically sacrificing you know, your vote in a two-party system because realistically that third party isn't going to have enough support. It's going to split whatever your vote is. So yep. uh, it's just not viable. And I don't even really know, mm-hmm. you know, a good solution to that problem. There is no. You know, I, I can't even begin to comprehend what would have to be done. I mean, I look at my founding fathers they literally separated themselves from the most powerful nation in the world at the time. You know, to have the courage to do that. I still believe that the principalities that the United States is founded on are somewhat in the back of everyone's head. So because of that, I consider my country to be the greatest country in the world. There's some people that are ahead of us in this or that or blah, 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 whatever it is. I know freedom isn't exclusive to us, but I still buy in and romanticize with that ideology. So to me, it's like if we are going to be men and women of principle, why would we sit back and let this continue to happen? There doesn't have to be violence. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to burn down the police stations. You don't have to, you know, loot and riot. All you simply have to do is say, we the people have decided this doesn't work anymore. So we're going to rewrite it. That's the only way I can see that ever happening in a decent way. I mean, as soon as you try to to do that, 
you'll get violence. Um, you know, people yep. absolutely will and, fight uh, tooth and nail against any sort of reform or change. Which blows my mind. And, and well, Why people, would you fight tooth and nail for a broken system? Because they don't see the system as broken. Well, uh, it's true. It depends on where yeah, you're yeah. at in that system. I mean, you, if the system is actually working towards benefiting you, then why would you want that system to change? Uh, even if if other people are claiming that it's broken, if if you're just not recognize, and if it's not in your best interest to recognize it, you might not even see that it is there. You know, even when people are are right. pointing it out. So, um, I think that's that's kind of what we're dealing with right now is a lot of uh, people who are advantaged by the system you know, strongly opposed to changing it because they genuinely don't believe that it is broken because it's working really well for them. Well, I've got a little epiphany right there. Um, so my dad, right, he's a good man. He's a deacon. Um, his whole thing in life is, you know, judge and at least be judged. Why, why would I judge someone for doing something whenever I know I've done worse in my life, right? Across the board, doesn't matter, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you're a homosexual, you know, if anything, you know what I mean? Anything at all. He thinks all men are created equal, all women are created equal, equality, period. You know what I mean? That's his principality. But mm -hmm. my family is actually from Atlanta. I'm first generation Tennessee, and then I moved back to Atlanta on my own. Ironic, right? Right. But, um, they left Atlanta because remember there was the uh, exodus, like the white exodus from Atlanta. Have you guys heard about that at all? Not, not I have. Not really. I'm not that familiar with the, uh, Atlanta's history. So in like uh, probably somewhere in the 70s and 80s, granted I wasn't alive then and I've just heard this from them for years and years and years. The housing market crashed in Atlanta because black folks were moving in and as soon as one black person would move into a neighborhood, all the other houses broke for sale because, you know, people are racist and right. stupid and think, you know, there's a black person here now, so I've got to go so that they don't do hoodlum shit, which wasn't the case. But whenever people can go in and buy a $400,000 house for $86,000 a year, they're going to do it. You know what I mean? And good for them. <laughs> you know, that's stupid on that community to be doing that bullshit, you know, part of my sense. Anyway, um, all that goes on. And my dad felt like he got run off at the time by the black community. And he goes, well, they've got these benefits. They've got this. They've got that. They get to go to college for free. I have to pay for college. They get to, you know, uh, if we both are interviewing for a job, they'll hire him first before they'll hire me because it's going to look better on the paperwork than it will for me. That's an advantage, blah, 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 blah. And he goes down this big old list. Mm -hmm. And that's so easy for him to say that from that standpoint. Right. But whenever I was living in Atlanta, instead of, you know, having that viewpoint I was raised with, I just started to set up and listen and watch. And I realized, you know, a lot of these kids are growing up and, ghettos and their only way to support their family is to sell drugs or join a, a gang or something of that nature and it's like 
this is the only life they have. And it's either I bust my butt for my entire life and I never get anywhere or I live hard and fast for five, six, ten years, make sure my family's taken care of and I pass and I enjoy those five, six, ten years. You know, yeah. I can have that. And I never would have known that, you know, right. But that's another thing with that polarity. It's, you know, you look on CNN, they're all talking about the ghettos and things like that. And they're yeah. saying, you know, we need to uplift these people. We need to help them out. You look on Fox News, they're saying, oh, someone else got shot in the ghetto the other day. Look at that. It's almost like being new. Blah, 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 blah. These kind of people. Oh. It's the same narrative flipped backwards. And CNN's yep. just as bad as Fox News is on the other end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting it's how how that perspective can really shape your view. Um, and you know, somebody who maybe lacks a particular perspective is going to have a radically different view from from someone who has it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like you've kind of experienced that firsthand. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, having grown up in Crossville. Uh, were you initially mm-hmm. um, more conservative growing up, and then changed as you you know kind of got older and out on your own? I was probably the most red-blooded conservative that there ever could have been because my dad was. Right. But I had a uh, science teacher in high school, Mr. Boone, and he was incredibly liberal. Mm-hmm. And he taught me about being a humanitarian, about caring about an individual. Granted, I believe in all the things that he speaks of. I just don't trust the government to do it, like health care. No. The more money they can get their hands on, the worse off we're going to be. You know what I mean? That's just more, more filth, more corruption, more meat for them to latch their talons into. You know. <laughs> but um, you know, him and I would have debates in the classroom, and granted, everyone would take my side because we're all conservative kids with conservative parents and he's the only liberal within a 4,000 mile radius, you know, but he never raised his voice at me, never talked down to me, never treated me inferior, treated me as an equal. And we would have civil debates. The other kids, they would jump in and say, yeah, yeah. But that wasn't the point of it. It was between him and I, and he was able to sway me. And to get me to understand that, yes, you know, it is important to have all these things that I, you know, am about as a conservative, but at what cost, you know, right? Hitler wanted to own the whole world. He wanted to bring the whole world under one flag, which, you know, take out the name Hitler, say Gandhi wanted to have the whole world under one flag of peace, right? Two completely different people, but at what cost? You know what I mean? Right. At what cost if Gandhi were to do it versus if Hitler were to do it? Hitler would would and try to dominate. Gandhi was just trying to get peace for his people. You know what I mean? Does that make sense, that analogy? Yeah. Yeah. I so I, I can level with that ahead. for sure. No, straight up. <clears throat> you're uh, uh, you're so, 
your audio is a little bit uh, quiet. There. quiet. There you go. There you're back. Okay. Hold on. Let me oh, turn. I wasn't sure this is me. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, while you lived in Atlanta, what were some of the uh, the major major observations that you had? had seen Honestly, and experienced the main like like you can have cultural differences in that um uh here right nashville tennessee area you know mm-hmm. we have a lot of like hot chicken you know what i mean we have a lot of like you know country music and that type of thing down in atlanta it was more like barbecue and like rap and that type of stuff you know two different cultures but the people were basically the same. There might have been a skin color difference. There might have been a cultural difference, but they were dealing with the same problems, the same ways, and having to figure it out at the same time. Does that make sense? Right. That was a big aha moment for me. It was like, you know, I'm just a little old country boy from a backwoods community, and you know, this little black boy right here from a ghetto right next to Five Points in downtown is dealing with the same exact thing as me. There's no difference. It's just the perspective from which we look upon it at. I look at it from, you know, I'm never going to get out of this hick town. I'm always going to be drawn back to it and I'm never going to be able to see the world. And, you know, I'm going to be condemned to work at an IGA for the rest of my life and drive a truck. You know, that's my future. And then, you know, you look at him, he's like, I'm never going to be able to get out of this ghetto. I'm never going to be able to get out and see the world. I'm never going to be able to, you know, do all these things and have all these aspirations. I can't speak for him as much as myself, but so many people would agree with me whenever I talk about those things, you know? Right. So I know it's not just me observing. It's also people agreeing. Yeah. I've got an interesting thought here. Do you when you lived in Atlanta? Did you spend any time in like rural Georgia? Rural Georgia, yeah. Mm. Well, the interesting thing I've noticed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like Tennessee's really weird. Living in rural Tennessee is really weird because you can drive down any given. You know, highway, highway 70, 27, any, um, you know, non-interstate highway. And you'll look and you'll see a gated driveway with a check code and then a mansion. And then directly across the street, see a trailer park. <laughs> yep. Like, it's it's a very yep. strange... Um, mentality the way poverty works itself out in rural areas like the wealth gap it's it's a lot more apparent visually but I mean I was raised with an ideology of um, you know I was just poor and that was the way it was and those people, you know, either worked really hard or were born into that. And 
this is just the life that I got handed. Uh, but then you drive through these rural communities and you see all these small bus- businesses that are shut down. And all that's left in the, these areas are these really expensive homes and these, you know, trailers and shacks. Uh, it, you can start to kind of connect the dots. Is it the, like, that's not the way it works in like an urban area, like Atlanta. Um, you, you know, there's, there's a lot more zoned. Yeah. Like a city mentality is, is zoned out. Mm-hmm. Poverty's kind of, uh, and I mean, you got, communities where that's you've got retirement communities stuff like that in these rural areas but i mean if you drive out in the middle of nowhere you'll see a mansion and then trailer right by each other mm-hmm. it's it's and and you know a guy with like 15 uh you know tore up cars in his front yard and <laughs> and uh a pig and five dogs and and then there's a this like perfect mansion with a perfect uh, lawn, and <laughs> it's just weird. What do you? So, what do you think about that? Like, did you grow up? Did you grow up uh, middle class? Did you grow up? Well, that's. Uh, I don't exactly know. So, my dad. Um, whenever I can first remember, my dad was knocking out six figures a year. But he had never right. gone to college, and he had gotten that job through a stroke of luck. Uh, he was a salesman for a small-time company making about $45,000 a year back whenever I was first coming into the world, maybe a little bit before that. But they got sold out by another – sold out, and then a company bought them called Louisiana Pacific, and they saw that my dad was a really good salesman, so they ended up putting him in a position where he's not going to have that six figures. But then the recession in 08 hit, and because he didn't have an education, didn't matter, first round of layoffs, dad was in there. So he was without a job for a year or two, and we're just really frugal people, so we were able to you know, pinch our pennies and figure out what we were going to do, and luckily my right. grandfather had done very well for himself, so we could use him for some back support. And, uh, you know, eventually the old man found another job and, and he's been about through four or five since then, because, you know, he's getting older. So no one wants to pay his retirement. My dad's, uh, 58 going on 59. I think he's born in 62. So that would, yeah, 58 going on 59. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, uh, we had a little bit of money, and we, we live in the suburbs, but we don't have near the money anyone around us out here has. We just right. look for good deals, take care of the things that we own. Um, you know that first, you reap what you sow, you pay what you owe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I guess I would say we were lower middle class, but we right. appeared to be higher up than we are. Because, you know, a lot of my friends, they would come over to the house when I was young and they'd go, wow, you've got a big house because we've got, I think it's a, probably 
3,000 square foot all brick house. So, you know, from kids that were living in trailers, because I went to the redneck school of the entire county, you know, the University of Science and Arts of Crab Orchard. Um, <laughs> for those of you listening, um, Crab Orchard is an extremely redneck school. It's made out of entirely stone, and people out there talk like this. So, university is a joke. But um, they'd come over and see what we had and be dumbfounded. But it wasn't like it wasn't like we were well off. You know what I mean? Kind of, kind of like that. The way things worked out, you kind of got by on the skin of your teeth. <laughs> yeah, still are, right. still very much are. It's it's really interesting the way things you know the ebbs and flows of recession and stuff like that. It's it's really well. You're telling me I'm a bartender. I see all the ebbs and flows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, kind of getting out on your own, uh, experiencing different perspectives, different cultures. Uh, I know one of the things that you'd put in the uh, uh, the the contact survey was that. Um, like you, you identify as a Christian to some extent, but that you also believe mm-hmm. in some, you know, some other gods uh, that, but that they are actually lesser than yours. That that's a really interesting view. What what kind of led you to that? Well, I've had encounters. Um, you could call me schizophrenic if you'd like. I've never done experimental any drugs or anything like that to uh, alter myself. This is. All natural up here, just so that we have that clear. Um, I believe, you know, if you have an entity like Jehovah and you have an entity like Lucifer, who's to say these other paganistic gods or other, I call them little G gods because, you know, there's no reverence to them from them. And I'm not saying, you know, if you're... Islamic, or if you're a, a pagan, or if you believe in the Norse gods, or anything like that, I'm not saying I look down upon you. And, you know, as an American, I absolutely will die for your right to believe in those things. And I will not tell you to your face that those are lesser unless you ask me about it. You know, I'm not going to drive it down your throat. But again, you did ask, so I guess I'm going to go in full depth on this. Um, I have had experiences with, um, spirits and things of the like, you know, the people call them vibes, um, and my generation, you know, feeling a gut feeling or, you know, you hear the, or feel the hair on your neck, stand up, that type of thing. And, um, you know, demonic presence is a very scary thing that can bring a lot of bad in your life. Especially whenever you have a witch put a hex on you. That's no fun. But, um, you know, I believe that whatever she used to do that really wasn't that strong because it just took about 10 people praying and then it was gone. And we were praying to Yahweh, Jehovah, the Christian God. Um, I'm, uh, Go ahead. What uh, what what specifically um, happened there? I'm I'm curious. Um. Well, I, I'm a teenager. All right. 
And young men make a lot of mistakes um, whenever they uh, don't think things through with young women. And um, her and I came out of a bad relationship. And I made her particularly upset. So she decided she was going to put a hex on me. Um, are you familiar with what that is? Yeah, vaguely. What, what, uh, um, can you kind of describe like what, what all that entails? Uh, I can't entail, like explain to you how she did it, but I can tell you how it affected me. Um, I ended up in that year having to drop out of school because I had a false accusation brought up against me by an individual. Um, I had three of my friends uh, pass in very tragic accidents because they were near me at the time, and I managed to survive. I was there whenever they passed. Um, I ended up seeing people just completely go through reformations where they refused to speak to me. And I refused to listen to my intuition and understand what was happening around me. I just thought, you know, I've hit a stroke of bad luck. You know, it doesn't seem like everywhere I go, things are falling apart. And then it dawned on me, maybe it is, whenever my mother mentioned it, she was like, you just, it seems like everywhere you go and everything you do, it's just like there's evil around you. And I hadn't been to church at that time and probably two or three years. And fortunately, my pastor is a very, very godly man. I mean, I, I could never, I, I truly don't claim the mantle of Christian because I don't live as a Christian. Uh, to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. And I don't claim that because I don't want to take that burden on, let alone tarnish the name. I say I'm a child of God. My pastor is a Christian. Every day, that man tries his hardest to be like Christ, you know. And I, back to the, you know, the hex and whatnot. I walked into the church, and he came and found me, and he said, "I felt you walk in, and there's something wrong. You, me, and all the deacons need to pray." And you know, we went into the sanctuary. We sat down. You know, they started praying, and. My pastor started to speak in tongues. And, um, you know, we prayed for about 15 minutes. And whenever I walked back out, I just felt like I had a huge weight off my shoulders. And it was like a, the scales were removed from my eyes. And I realized what I'd just gone through for about, oh, I started in February. And it didn't end until November of 2019 and then right after that i moved out of the house but it was it was rough like really rough but you know that's why i think my god is greater because if an individual can do something like that to me and cause that kind of evil and turmoil in my life with a spiritual i don't i, I don't know exactly much about paganistic or Wiccan or any of those type of things. I'm very ignorant with it. But if someone can use that religion against me and cause my life harm, but I can cure it with mine and get off scot-free, I'm pretty sure my God is greater. Especially whenever, you know, I've had 
encounters with demonic entities and said my God's name, and then those entities will leave me alone. And they don't even want to have anything to do with me once I say his name. And that leads me to believe my God's greater, personally. I mean, I'm not going to trump card anybody or, you know, drive that down anyone's throat because of anything that's against my religion. You know, it's, it's not your job to push people away by saying you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. The job is to spread the word of God to those who do not know it and then be a rock of his faith. Beyond that, you have little duty. God will bring people to you whenever, you know, they're ready. They have to go through their life and their challenge. If you try to push it down their throat, you're just putting scales before their eyes and they will never see the light. But I digress. Is there uh, anything else you want to ask to that effect while we're on it, though? I mean, um, we could we could kind of keep going that direction, or we can we can shift gears depending on what Elias and Sam want to do. I don't. <laughs> uh, it's it's up to you guys. I'm comfortable either way, gentlemen. Okay, so I do want to touch on a bit of that. I want to kind of push back on that view. Um, because I I find that incredibly reasonable. Um, that that's a that's a reasonable way to think about that. However, what do you do about? Uh, for instance, uh, so I assume the background you kind of come from religiously is like a kind of more charismatic evangelical Christianity. No, no, sir, it is no. not. That is uh, typically what you find. I will be honest. Yeah. With is you it there. more like traditional Pentecostal? No, <laughs> actually, Southern Baptist. Okay. So um, Southern Baptist speaking in tongues. Rather ironic. No, the Southern rather Baptist. Rather ironic, yeah. Uh, Southern ba- I was Southern Baptist. That's uh, the the Pentecostals are the ones that speak in tongues. Correctly, uh, is that is that right, or am I mistaken? Typically, my yeah. uh, my uh, pastor jokes around and calls himself Baptocostal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. See, that was what I, I found interesting, and then I was kind of trying to put together. Okay, so being Southern Baptist, that's a whole different ball of wax from what I thought, because my, my automatic assumption was um, Pentecostal charismatic. But the Southern Baptist faith is very evangelical. So, you know, how... Yeah. Well, go ahead, because I think you know where I'm going. Well, whenever I was younger, we uh, we really never had that. Then, oh, probably when I was mm, 13, 14, we had a youth pastor come in, and this man was on fire for God. But he just was very evangelical. You know, um, I let him sort of drive a wedge between me and God for a very long time because, you know, I'm a very combative individual and I ask a lot of Mm -hmm. questions because I like to be Mm -hmm. balanced. I like to know multiple perspectives. I'm not going to blindly follow something, which really is religion in a nutshell. That's so for you, blindly following something. But if I can logically reason it out as I have, then I'm good. But I didn't have that experience yet. So this 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 new 
pastor comes in. He's a youth pastor. He's the assistant pastor now. And uh, he would condemn me for that. And he would, uh, you know, say, you should never have to ask these questions. You should just have faith, which mm. to me is absolutely absurd. Um, That's common Meanwhile, yeah, my original pastor says, you know, absolutely ask these questions. It would be stupid of you not to. And then he can back up anything that he answers to me with, you know, text with scripture. So that's right. what I needed. That's what I grew up on. But when this guy comes in, and, and I'm not saying he's a terrible guy, because, you know, I know his heart's in the right place. He's just right. evangelical. And that, that right. just doesn't work for me, you know? The evangelical well, church. Have, like have you ever had anyone um, kind of really push their theological doctrines on why evangelical is like the biblical um i've had them try right well i mean how do you reconcile that do you uh, yeah how do you reconcile that how do you reconcile kind of like adhering to maybe some southern baptist ideals or views or kind of or do you kind of like you feel more like an observer um in that experience let me tell you um how how my religion how religion is for me i mean i grew up in a southern baptist church but this is how i look at church and the cogs and how it should all fit together my dad has always said church is in you you know that's your church that's your temple you know and the lord says to gather in his name and worship which cool let's do that and you know let's have discussion what's like you know make sure we're not being singular minded about our interpretations of the bible because it is a living text but at the same time it doesn't mean that you know you go to church to put on a show you know church is inside you need to get yourself fixed and in the right spot on your own you know you can have people that will help you along the way and guide you and mentor you and God will put those people in your path but if you're going to church to make yourself look good or if you're going to church for a show or if you're going to church for the live music or anything other than just being there to praise and to learn then it's wrong to me you know I consider that blasphemy I consider that the ultimate perversion of the church and i believe personally in what i've experienced evangelicalism is the epitome of that i'm not i don't like generalizations excuse me (laughs) i don't like stereotypes but i've yet to run into one that could prove me wrong you know Yeah, it's it's a because I I just recently kind of left the evangelical faith. Um, I mean, I, it's strange to say that, like I'm referring to that separately from Christianity. Like to me, evangelicalism is a whole other faith unto itself that can either fit over the top of Christianity or it can be 
placed inside of Christianity. But to me, you can have Christianity without evangelicalism. Um, like I jive on that. I just wanted to hear, you know, if you had arguments against it. Um, because, cause that's my thing. It seems like you may have found like the one Southern Baptist who, you know, was really compassionate and kind. I mean, we, I'm sure we've all met people like that and extremely religious communities of course where you've got absolutely wonderful compassionate people but to me this is this is my concern you have some really amazing people and small faith communities like that or bigger ones but there's a system built around that that Mm -hmm. literally makes that person the lowest person on the totem pole. And so that person has very Mm -hmm. little wiggle room to do Mm -hmm. what ought to be done in a community that claims to follow Jesus. And so that's what, like, I'm kind of in an anti-church mode right now. (laughs) But... And, and who, I, I don't know you that. see that's my struggle is I kind of think like we need to set fire to the whole thing not not literally and Figu- see, figuratively not, <laughs> just to be clear no, I mean literally <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know set fire to that way of doing stuff and kind of maybe reevaluate the whole thing Mm-hmm. And and so that's been my big thing lately. Um, it's really strange to me. It's you've you're you seem to be really self aware. You're you're eighteen or not? You're nineteen, right? Turn nineteen in nine days. Wow. Um, so you're almost nineteen. You're a young guy. You seem really self aware mm-hmm. for eighteen, nineteen. I didn't hang out with a lot of people like that. I hung out with people that wanted to party and skateboard, and that was about it. And do stuff with girls. I'm glad I didn't and that was something, it. Man. Um, <laughs> like I said a little earlier, um, I do work at a bar. So right. as far as I see, a lot of people come in on a Thursday night from the college and just ruin their week. With with one night, you know, and and I, I grew up quick, you know. My parents trusted me way too much, way too much, and I am I was manipulative and conniving. As soon as I got a car, it was Katie bar the door, you know. So I've gotten away with a lot of things I shouldn't have because my dad's always told me, you know, uh, there's security cameras everywhere, and you know he underestimated the ability of a block lover. So, you know, I've, I've done that kind of stuff before, you know, whenever I was 16 years old, I was going to college parties. I mean, I can grow a beard the size of, well, I wouldn't say Chris Stapleton just yet because it doesn't connect from the mustache to the chin, but that neck beard there. (laughs) So you, you'll grow into it, man. It's okay. 
I, but, I routinely uh, get people thinking I'm 27 years old, and I would go to these college parties whenever I was 16, 17, and well, 18, not really anymore. But um, right, two I years hear you. Ago, I hear these you. College parties, and you know, I've seen that right. kind of stuff too. It's just I feel I feel a very similar kind of kindred. Um, I grew up in very different circumstances, but I feel a very similar kind of like path that me and you might have taken. Right. Um, that's interesting. So working at a bar, being a young person, you, you see a lot of, I'm sure you're around a lot of people your age. Um, I'm actually the youngest person employed by that entire company. Right. So you seem to be pretty self-aware. What about Absolutely. other people your age? Do you feel like a black sheep? Or do you seem to f- find a lot of people that have, do you connect with a, lo- a lot of people? Are there mm-hmm. a lot of people your age that are in the same place as you intellectually? And typically it's within, mm, I don't want to sound arrogant and I don't want to put myself on a high pedestal, but I will say that most of my friends tend to be five to six years older than me. Right. Um, and I, I typically don't get along with people my age because either I intimidate them or, um, which, which is a really stupid thing, by the way, that, that, that irritates me that I intimidate people. But if, anyway, um, either I intimidate them or they just don't get it. Like they're, uh, two wins short of a full sale, you know, it's just mm-hmm. not it's not quite yet in the top of the elevator yet. And it's not that they're stupid. They're just inexperienced. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of life for an 18 year old. I like to think, you know, my dad's told me I have, my mom told me I have a lot of people that know me told me I have, you know, and that's, uh, makes you grow up quicker. And, you know, I'd like to think that I was ready to live on my own whenever I was 16 years old. You know, I, I, I could, work with wood already by the time I was 16 and I could have supported myself as a carpenter. I think that's kind of um, a, a key right there. You, you, that you, you, you hit the nail on the head with the, it's, it's a matter of perspective. I think that's, that's what ultimately leads to, you know, being more mature or maturing through your life is, is just a matter of, you know, how much perspective you've really gained. Um, I know for myself at 18, 19 years old, um, I hadn't seen a whole lot in the world yet. Um, I, I was, you know, very model, uh, teenage kid, kind of a, you know, really boring straight edge. It wasn't even really until my early twenties to mid twenties that I really did start to, um, you know, come upon new perspectives and really start to challenge my beliefs and change a lot of the things that I believed. Um, so you, you definitely have a heads up, um, you know, a head start from where I, I was at. It, it took me a bit longer to kind of get there. Okay. I can, uh, I can appreciate that. You know, I just like, I guess my thing is, is I want to, let me put it this way. So I find purpose in having a, uh, I don't want to, not having, I find purpose in being able to mentor people. I find purpose in being able to support others and 
have a testimony to share with them. Um, for example, um, I've probably, just a rough number, saved about 19 people from killing themselves. That is something I really pride myself on. You know, that's something that gives me a reason to wake up in the morning. That's, um, that's what I'm here for. You know what I mean? And I know that's a purpose of mine. And in order to be able to empathize, not to sympathize, but to empathize with people, I have to keep my heart open and my ears open and my mouth shut in order to truly understand an individual and understand their turmoil and their struggles and be able to put myself in their shoes, in their life. You know, I have to be able to understand that. I mean, it would have been so much easier for me to just, you know, turn off Mr. Green, my science teacher that made me more humanitarian minded. Mm -hmm. It would have been so easy for me to move down to uh, Atlanta or actually move out to Nashville instead and just embrace that group of people. You know what I mean? It would have been so much easier to do all these other things than what I chose to do, but I chose to do what I did and I'm going to continue to choose what I'm going to do because it's the right thing. It's a principle. It's, it's rooted. It's carved in the back of my spine. The path less taken may be harder, but there's nothing worth having that is easy to get. So the more that I know, the more that I've been through, the more that I've felt, the more that I can help others, the more that I can mentor people. And God willing, one day, whenever I have a family, the more I'll be able to expose my child to or my children to. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about for me. Being able to change lives, save lives, and influence people to be the best that they can be. You know, imagine if, uh, back to Hitler, imagine if Hitler actually did well in art school. Someone would have been nice to him. Someone would have given the man just one hug, you know? Imagine how much different our timeline would be. You had talked about that uh, science teacher that had um, always been respectful, but had always challenged you. Um, and we were talking a lot about, you know, political polarization uh, and, you know, the, the political climate night right now being very... Uh, Eating. Right, exactly. Um, I think people reflexively want to defend their position anytime it's it's perceived to be attacked um what do you think are some ways that we could maybe circumvent that that process of of people wanting to you know reactively just defend and dig into whatever their position is um but be able to you know challenge them without them kind of instinctively doing that because that science teacher sounds like he did a very good job of that with you um i had a very similar experience with uh uh you know learning kind of the mentality of science uh, where it's just very self critiquing um and mm-hmm. it's just a process of critical thought what what do you think are some ways that might be effective at reaching younger people and teaching them how to be more critical of themselves and is that younger something that you currently so. practice quite a bit of? You're being specific with younger people, not just people in general. Right, because I think that, um, I think when you're younger, 
uh, you're, you're at a different stage in your life. You're, you're not quite as established. Um, I think it's easier to adopt a mindset of critical thinking when you're younger than, you know, say when you're 40. Um, I know for myself, yeah. you know, I, I did a lot of that <laughs> in my early twenties and, you know, now in my thirties, I'm a bit more established in my positions. Uh, so I think it is important for people who are younger to, you know, to be able to adopt a critical thinking process. I'm going to, this is, I have to tell you what it's like again. And I, you know, go back over it one more time. We feel we being people, my age and, you know, drawing our own conclusions on life. We feel like we're sitting in the middle of the Atlantic ocean, right? We're just sitting there on this little cruiser. And the United States is over here shooting missiles over at Europe, and then Europe shooting missiles over at the United States. And this is just a really rough hypothetical analogy, but we're just trapped in the middle of this. One side screaming, other side screaming. It's like a mother and father arguing and screaming and throwing things at each other while you're a four-year-old. That's what this feels like for us. Mm -hmm. And it's every day, everywhere we turn, we open our phone, notifications. Now here's we, uh, we I want you to driving down the road billboards. Yeah. This is interesting because I can I can hear kind of this this place of like uh you know like we're not we've we've not been trained for this. You know, you're like <laughs> this is not what you guys raised us for. You didn't no. raise us for a situation that we're in right now. Like, I don't know how to talk to black people. I don't. I've not been raised mm -hmm. to. I don't know how to talk to them in a way where they're not going to think I'm a complete jackass if I say I something uh, that I thought might be appropriate. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I but here's exactly the other perspective. Absolutely. Here's the interesting thing, because I hear you, but, but here's the thing, and this is what was key about what Thomas was saying. Uh, look at it this way. I, I agree with Thomas. I think it's much easier to uh, pick up that critical thinking now, because when you end up, I, I've always been very introspective but I was kind of an optimist and I always tried to make, uh, you know, the best out of every situation and make the best out of myself. I'd lie to myself a little bit <laughs> and, and say that I did more than I, than I really did or treated people nicely. I didn't technically do anything wrong, you know, I, I would find ways to get, I would lie to myself a little bit and avoid that critic, that critical view of myself and did that for all of my teenage years, most of my young adulthood mm -hmm. only really started to unlearn it around 26, 27. And I had, you know, I, I had like a, I had like a, a dome or something where I could say all of this stuff 
I can criticize and I can evaluate and be introspective, but I'm going to build these walls around this border because everything outside that border is really unsafe. And if I question that stuff, it's going to be harder for me to survive as a human being. And so I avoided it at all cost. Well, eventually the world moved right outside those fences or that dome. And I could not ignore the things beyond that border. And it led me to a place where I've spent the last year, last two years, questioning everything I believe and literally pendulum swinging from far right evangelical conservative to um, kind of like an anarchist, uh, socialist anarchist. Um, that that uh that that might there's no nuance to that label my (laughs) i I, yeah there's i don't know how to describe my views particularly but i'm somewhere between like mysticism and anarchy and those use those two things together to properly function in the world but I wish I would have been willing to maybe not have ever put those fences up. And I'm a lot more hopeful for your generation than my own because there are people 30, 40 years old right now who are completely realize everything they believe was a lie, but they can't leave it. Or worse, they never realize yeah. Well, yeah. But a lot of them do. A lot of people do. And they go through intense uh trauma because of that. Because they can't leave. They can't. I I I can't leave my faith. Like I psychically can't leave my faith. Mentally, I cannot get past it. No matter hard how hard I try. I keep coming back to this faith thing. So it, it's a it's a strange thing to see you say the same thing, but the people who are shooting the missiles feel the exact same mm-hmm. way. Yeah, but they're too afraid to stop shooting the missiles. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. It's crazy. So do you you don't think a lot of young people your age uh are that self-aware, that critical about their thinking? I wouldn't think so. I, I've asked some I know that um a lot of people like whenever I say my age, I'm saying anywhere from sixteen to uh say twenty, twenty one, somewhere in there. Um, most of them definitely aren't. They're just worried about, you know, what career am I going to do? What, uh, am I going to go to college? A lot of the millennials are saying that's not going to work now. So should I listen to my parents or tell them I should go? Um, where's the next party at? You know, I I think that's fair. Am I ever going to find a wife? 
that you've got a lot of concerns at that age that, you know, maybe, you know, thinking about more philosophical or political ideas maybe aren't at the top priority because they're not quite as urgent as, you know, where am I going to go to school? How am I going to earn a living? Um, Who am I going to date? Those sorts of things are a little bit more immediate. And I think that's understandable. I mean, to some extent, I think that you guys have grown up. I'm, if we look at, you know, the generation before, before us, uh, they didn't grow up with the technology that, you know, Elias and myself, uh, grew up with where, you know, from the time that I was a teenager, I've, I've been exposed to internet scams. Older people have it. They tend to be more susceptible to those things because it's not part of, you know, the, their environment when they were growing up. Um, and then looking, (laughs) what's that? People still fall for those? Yes. Uh, a lot oh, of people yeah, still man. fall for those. It's, um, dude, it's really, sad. It's really sad. But, but the, you know, those internet email scams still work. That's, it's it's crazy I that that's still a thing. And see, now, talking to you, you don't even realize that that's still a thing. Um, I mean, you literally oh, no, grew no. up with technology that came out, you know, whenever I was mm-hmm. in my later teens. Uh, so you've had access to a lot more information for your entire life than I, I did for now, a big part of my upbringing. Hold on a second. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah. So access to knowledge does not mean that it is utilized. That's you can live true. right yeah. next to a library yep. and the guy down the road, five or six miles has to walk five or six miles. Mm-hmm. will walk that. Whereas you won't even go across the road Yep. and he'll be smarter because he reads it. That's very true. You know, because I question everything. I've all I've like just I remember what was that guy's name? There was this inventor who um they taught us about him in school, like around the same time they taught us about Paul Bunyan. Oh, what was his name? It was some inventor and he would ask all these questions of his parents and his parents thought that he was special, like touched in the head. And uh he ended up inventing something it's like used in day-to-day life. I can't remember what it was. Was it Edison? He's the first person to bolt. Yeah. No, not Edison. Uh, I'm pretty it? sure this gentleman was black, but he was the first yeah. person to ever fry oh, anything shit. with peanut oil. I remember that. Uh, anyway, at any point, he was about. very questioning. And I remember that was an, it was an impression left on me. And I wanted to be like him because yeah. he was able to create you know, do something new. I'm, I'm very art oriented. I love acting. I love singing. Mm-hmm. I love comedy. You know, I'm a, I might be a carpenter and a bartender. Well, bartending actually is kind of inclusive, but, um, tangent again, I love creating and that left an impression on me. So I always wanted to feed myself that kind of knowledge and in order to be a uh, renaissance man, for lack of a better term, one has to <laughs> understand all these cultures and backgrounds. So I've always educated myself on that. And, and Facebook is the perfect tool for that because you can just go, okay, here's a Denver group. Let's see what their culture's like. Okay, here's an Atlanta group. Let's see what their culture's like. All right, here's a New York group. Let's see what their culture's like. And you can cross-reference over and figure out what their slang terms are because I never knew what the <laughs> heck any of that stuff was. And they definitely didn't know what y'all meant. So, you know, <laughs> I one think, of those things. I but, think, you know, with, with the access to, um, 
like you talked about Facebook, there's, there's so much easy access to, you know, different groups and different information. Um, I think one of the, the downfalls of that is that we've got uh, very efficient means to disperse misinformation as well, uh, which is something that oh, people yeah. aren't very well trained at deciphering. I'm pretty sure Elias and I actually had a conversation about that not too long ago. It's a oh, meme yeah, culture, probably. and uh, people get yeah. their news from memes, and you're just going, oh, yeah. my Lord. Right, because, you know, it, a it picture literally of Joe is. Biden sleeping with a captions accurate. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, it's, it's amazing because uh, it's such a strange way to communicate and it's I, I mean it's very propaganda based like it's like a sales ad but it's it, the beautiful thing about the meme is it's it's like it's selling something but the best form of it isn't selling anything you know it, the more nuanced a meme is the better it is. Um, but it's so, you know, a, a picture's worth a thousand words, but memes tend to do the thousand words and in, you know, five. Yeah, single phrase. Yeah, it's, it's very profound and strange and uh, 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 dangerous. I, honestly, I think it's kind of the rebirth of iconography and uh symbolism mm. i think that we're our language is maybe devolving in a way um but not to say uh, devolving is not even a, a good a good idea for that um because who's to say iconography iconography and symbolism are lesser forms of communication well, I, I think anytime you start lacking nuance and detail and perspective, you know, that's that's when the conversation does start to devolve. Um, when you oversimplify ideas into, you know, extremes uh, that don't accurately represent those ideas. Uh -huh. And that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, we're having Twitter debates, you know, uh, 150 characters or less. I mean, it's it's not... There is no room for nuance. There's no time for it. People don't have the patience or the the perspective to really understand what you know what what they're being presented with. Um, and I think that you know we're we're kind of in a new generation of just vast misinformation and lack of education. Uh, to be frank, we just we don't really have the skills to to be able to decipher you know, what, what is, what is true? What should we be skeptical of? I agree. And that's, that's a part of the reason, you know, I'm a part of the generation that had access to all the knowledge of the world. And instead but, we use that, that technology to, you know, look at cats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, despite having access to all that knowledge, you've heard the says, oh, I know it's true. I read it on the internet. Yeah. You know, you don't know what's to be true and fair. what's false because everyone is so convicted in um, their uh, beliefs and their opinions. I have to be right because I believe it. You know, that, yeah. that's something I really try my best not to do. 
like earlier we were talking about how I believe my God is superior to other gods. Mm-hmm. That is my belief, but that doesn't make it better or right. It's just what I believe. I'm actually kind you of know, curious. Um, I, I would, go I, ahead. It, I mean, I, I think that's very reasonable to, you know, to have your own personal beliefs and not necessarily expect everybody else to, uh, to believe those. Um, but I am kind of curious, um, like, are you interested in, in believing things that are true or, um, or, or not? Uh, I, I mean, do you, obviously you think it's true if you believe it. Um, why wouldn't you want other people to believe the same things as you, if you believe that they're correct? Because free will, free will, the entire point of my faith and my political stances, each individual is to believe what they believe, and I'm not to infringe upon them. While I'm more than willing to educate an individual about what I believe, and I would be proud to have people believe as I believe, excuse me, (coughs) I uh, refuse to drive it down their throats because that in and of itself is a perversion of what I believe. Yeah, I, I therefore, think that's therefore, there's no room for me to push it. Um, there's plenty of room for me to take, but I will never push any ideologies I have, and hopefully I can lead by example. As I said earlier with my faith, um, it's my job to spread the word of God to those who do not know it. But beyond that, it is my job to be a rock for him, an anchor. And while everyone else is, you know, basically blowing in the wind, I'm here on the ground. I'm the salt of the earth, and I'm not going anywhere. And you're more than welcome to come down here with me, but you have to make that decision for yourself. I can't force you. If I force you, you'll resent me. And you, I don't believe in the ideology of being prodigal. Oh, no. no. I think that you are what you are. And I think everyone has the potential to be salt of the earth. I think everyone has that opportunity. I just think some get more caught up in worldly ambitions, which I certainly have and certainly am. Not saying I'm superior, and I'm definitely not taking you in the moral high ground because I'm far from perfect. But I know what I try to be and what I want to be and where I'm going with it. I'm not executing it flawlessly, but I'm doing my damnedest. And the biggest thing with that is making sure, again, I'm not pushing where I don't, where I'm not wanted, you know? Right. That's, that's a good, that's a pretty good way to, to think on that. I mean, you seem really open-handed on, uh, on stuff and I think I have a similar stance I'm probably um, a little less sure of myself but what I hear is is the moment that what you believe maybe becomes coercive or manipulative that's kind of the place where you have to draw the line you know, like you, you can't, right. you're not going to try to sell Jesus to somebody. 
<laughs> you know what no. I mean? And I, 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 I totally was in that biz. I was like, yeah, I, I totally did that for a long time. Like, I'm going to sell Jesus. I thought I was selling the authentic Jesus, but I was still trying to sell it. Um, you know, I might actually, I might actually take a little bit of a different position um, in that. I, of course, I don't necessarily view it as necessarily manipulative, but um, I, I personally find it important for people to be critical. Now, I don't necessarily find it incredibly important, you know, what conclusions they arrive at, so long as they're using, you know, a, a sound process to arrive at conclusions. Um, mm-hmm. But I would very much say that I'm, I'm interested in, or I'm, I'm, I guess I'm in the business of trying to sell critical thought uh, as, as a product. Um, I would very much like to get people to challenge themselves and uh, challenge ideas around them so that they're, they're more equipped to be able to evaluate ideas. Um, I mean, maybe you could take that to be uh, coercive, um, but I do find, you know, value in getting other people to think. How do you feel about that? Personally, I've tried that for a very long time. And I find that my energy is better placed whenever I keep to myself. So (laughs) back to my religion. Um, Being a rock, being a Christian, being walking in the light, per se, um, the Lord will use you as his tool. Whenever I go out on my own whim and try to convince people um, of ideologies or you know, share my beliefs, I always end up with dirt in my mouth. Whenever I wait, they come to me much more. But there's, there's more people, and they're more open, and they're ready, and they've been led to me for a reason. And I share my testimony, who I am, you know, what I believe, why I believe it, what has affected me, what's not affected me, what I've seen other people go through, the whole thing. And it makes so much sense to them, but it makes no sense to people I go and try to find to convince. Right. Does that make sense? What if we turned it around on you? Um, Like, what would it take for you to change your mind on on your, your beliefs? Oh, that's a good one. You like curveballs, don't you? <laughs> I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't know. I uh, I would like to think I'm very rooted, but then again, I am a young man and I'm very impressionable. Um, but I've had heavy le- impressions left on me that has made me draw these conclusions. And I've been looking to draw these conclusions for many, many years now. Um, I didn't get to draw all the conclusions I wanted to. I didn't get to have the convictions I wanted to, to a T. You know, there are some things that are true that I just wish weren't. Right. There are some things that are true I'm so glad were. But well, uh... I never have a conviction in my heart until I know for a fact that it won't change, or at least I think it won't. <laughs> so, Otherwise, I stay open. Yeah, I, I think I'm at a, a kind of at a point where I really embrace 
the openness to change. Um, cause you know, I, I had some very strong beliefs, uh, growing up as well. And then, uh, there were some things that I absolutely believed were true. And then with a change in perspective, you know, maybe a better understanding of psychology or, um, you know, various different sciences, biology, you know, just the way that, uh, the brain works, the way that people work, um, I came to really start challenging some of those beliefs that I had. Um, some of them, you know, were, uh, actually a lot of them were, were supernatural beliefs. I, I became, you know, very skeptical of those when I started understanding, you know, some of the mechanisms that were, that were happening to cause me to recognize things as, uh, you know, maybe a supernatural cause when there could also be a natural explanation for some of the things that I believed. Um, if it could be, explained to your satisfaction that maybe some of the things that you've experienced, um, such as like the, uh, uh, the witch casting a spell and you attributing that to, uh, you know, your experience attributing that to her spell, if it could be demonstrated that maybe, maybe that didn't have quite the profound effect that you perceived it as, and maybe you had, uh, maybe not viewed it entirely accurately, would you change that belief? Absolutely, and I've looked at it like that. If you care to hear that, actually, I would love to share that with you. Sure. So um, there's a popular drug out right now called DMT. They call it the God drug. Mm -hmm. It's basically the God uh, chemical in your brain. Um, whenever you die, you get an unreal amount of DMT. Right. Um, so let's say, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, cyborgs, uh, bionics, things of that nature, right? That is uh, synthetic mechanisms interacting with organic tissue. So we're talking about two different realms here. We're talking about the computer realm, which like the things you can do on an Xbox or a laptop or a phone. I mean, it's just there's a whole other world out there, right? The artificial world. And then we have the physical world that we're in, right? Those two can interface, right? We're starting to get there. To me, I believe that the physical world and the spiritual world also interface, right? It's basically no difference, really. They're two different, I don't want to say dimensions, but worlds, again. They're two worlds that interact with each other. I'm, and I might we were created... In, I might I, I just want to stop you just just quickly on that um just to kind of point out that while um you know the we kind of perceive that as a, a physical interaction versus a you know uh, uh like a digital interaction that is still a physical process um you know there's a mechanical mm -hmm. physical process that's still happening to cause you know a virtual world uh to exist but it is still physical and that is still Absolutely. kind of distinct from uh you know the the concept of a spiritual world which do you do I you believe that that is non-physical or or do you believe that that is also physical i believe it can be um so in order for you to interact with said spiritual world you have to have a dmt dump in your brain right monks have done it for years now there's street drugs out there you have to have a DMT jump um, in order for, I'm not very familiar with um, uh, 
uh, biotics or not biotics, uh, biomechanics. But I know enough that, you know, you have to have something to interface with. The DMT is your interface. And again, I've never done DMT, but I've researched it, you know. That is your I, I, You could even, you, you could even, uh, I mean, it's, it's not just DMT. I mean, any psychedelic, a lot of psychedelic experiences come out yes. very similar. From my understanding. Um, yeah. Uh, trend, I think what I you're getting at is like transcendental consciousness. Is that, mm-hmm. do you think that might be a, a way you're talking yes. about spirituality. So, so I um, think what I've always been a lot more. Go ahead. Um, I think what Thomas is trying to get at, and he and this is another great kind of I think way to clarify this. Thomas's way of coming at things is the 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 best route to determine a factor might be um, being able to measure it. And if something's not measurable, uh, it may be safer to to call that thing non-existent. Well, maybe not go that far. Um, I would say for what we can observe... Um, we can kind of make judgments about for things that we're, we're not able to measure. Uh, I think that kind of remains to be somewhat of an unknown, uh, which is kind of how uh, science generally works is it doesn't make, you know, yes. determinations of what's true. It makes determinations of what's not true. And then whatever remains is potentially true. And then things that can't be measured at all, that's simply an unknown there's, there's no way to really know about something that you can't measure in some sense. Or test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I mean, okay. also, yeah, you yeah. can kind of go philosophically with maybe what's what's the simplest explanation for something. Um, does it require the supernatural or can it be physically explained, um, which would be the simplest explanation for it, which we do have a pretty good, I mean, while the brain is largely still not understood very well, um, we we do know that there are you know physical things that we can do to the brain to manipulate it into perceiving reality you know in in a very drastically different way. Um, I don't necessarily know that it's necessary to you know attribute that to the supernatural or to the spiritual if it's possible to do that naturally. Uh, would you say that that's fair? I would. I would disagree with you, but. I understand where you're coming from, and it's very logical. Um, logistics is something that I have a very, well, a particularly intense love-hate relationship with. Um, everything in my life, I follow a path of logic aside from my religion, which is founded on faith. And for someone who loves logistics so much, it's funny. They're real ironic. You know, Faith in and of itself is practically stupidity. I'm going to believe in something I can't measure, something I can't touch, something I can't really feel, something I can't hear, smell, see, any of that. You know, I'm going to put my entire life 
behind it. But what I have seen and what I've felt, what I've encountered, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you could attribute that to chemical releases and things of that nature and um, alter perceptions. Maybe my brain chemistry is off. Mm-hmm. But or maybe it's on. It's more than just <laughs> what I feel in my head. You know, it's, it's, it's a feeling of soul. You know, I feel like my soul's in the middle of my chest. You know what I mean? And that's not because anyone's told me that's where it is. That's just where I felt like it's always been. And whenever I encounter these entities or I have a moment where I felt like my God was there for me or he did something for someone and I was a tool for him and I was able to serve or I was able to um, witness to somebody, I always have that same feeling, you know, that same fulfillment and enjoyment and happiness. And I feel full. You know, life is so dull to me, you know, going and working at the bar. Um, sure, it's fun. I enjoy it. You know, I'm, I'm very entertaining. I like to think um, I've got a lot of people that say I'm the best bartender they've ever had. And that makes me feel great. You know, that's a wonderful compliment to have. But I go home. I go to bed. I wake up. I go do it the next day. And it gets draining, tiresome, dull. And the color starts to leave and the, the steak goes bland. There's no seasoning left. I never get tired in this other path. It's never any less fulfilling. Uh, it's the same feeling every time. I mean, I can very much identify with that. Uh, I mean, I very easily get drained at my job. We're, we're right now we're working six days a week, um, sometimes 10, 12 hours a day. That gets very draining. It's, it's not fun for the most part. I don't, I don't enjoy being at work. Um, that is very dull. Uh, I, I, and I similarly, you know, I get enjoyment from other aspects of life, um, having meaningful, interesting conversations with people, forming relationships with people. Um, you know, these are all things that are fulfilling. Uh, they, they fill that, that gap that, you know, if you will, uh, that, that hole in your life that you, you know, you feel needs to be filled up with something. Um, I don't personally get that from, uh, faith, I get it, you know, elsewhere. Um, so I don't necessarily think that that's, uh, maybe necessary for everybody. Um, really what's more important to me is I'm curious cause you said that, you know, you use faith, uh, for your, your religious beliefs. That's, that's kind of what it's founded on. Um, and I'm I'm kind of curious what how you feel about the reliability of faith because I I talk to in my job you know I I I work in the city I I'm in people's homes you know from all different walks of life I, I talk to people from you know Somalia and other countries you know just very different cultures and religions and I've talked to a lot of people who are very convinced of radically different things and a lot of them commonly attribute, you know, those beliefs to faith. And some of those beliefs are very contradictory to each other. Um, so do you think that it's possible for faith to lead people to conclusions that maybe aren't necessarily true? Absolutely. Faith is a very touchy thing. It's why I don't claim to be right. Um, it's what I have convicted in my heart. It's what I believe. It's my walk. 
Um, that's an additional thing I really need to talk about with um, my religion and how I see Christianity. I believe each individual has their own walk with God. I believe each individual has their own relationship with him. And that's, that's another thing I hate about churches. They indoctrinate you, just to be as frank as possible. They indoctrinate you that this is how you have to be. You should feel this way. You know, you should remember the day you got saved. You should remember how that felt. You should have that in the back of your head, otherwise you weren't saved. You know, you better be doing this, otherwise you're not saved. You better do this, otherwise you're not saved. No, no, no. I'm saved if God tells me I am. I, I'll know. You'll know. Everyone will know. That's that's between them and the Lord. The only purpose for a church is to challenge ideas and to praise. Um, therefore, for me to say my specific way of living and dealing with things is the only way is just foolish. There's no, you know, there's no concrete underneath that structure. That's a house built on the sand. Sure. The, the, the very floorboards are made out of rugs and my roof's a tent, you know, if I believe that. But if I'm in my house built on a rock, I can stand and I love myself and my neighbor is as well. Maybe they used a different kind of stone than me, but at least they were in a stone house as well. And whenever the blood comes, we're both safe. You follow me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to explore that a little bit deeper with you. Um, Absolutely. Are, do you want to do that tonight, or do you want to maybe pick that up at a different time? It's, it's totally up to you. I don't want to take up your time. I'm really enjoying this. Okay. This well, is, I live for these kind of conversations. Tell you what we can do. Um, we can pick this up then in our after show, which is uh, uh, basically uh, just for Patreon members. Um, okay. That those people would subscribe to hear the rest of the show. Uh, for everybody else, um, if you want to hear the rest of the show, I uh, encourage you to go to uh, 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 our website at uh, analyzedpodcast.com slash Patreon. And, uh, you know, subscribe you can uh, you can hear the rest of the show but for now um enjoy the rest of your week guys cool can i say one more thing before yeah, we break yeah. off yeah go ahead. um really great talk um i loved hearing from you man and i think you're on a i think you're on a good track um if i could say anything to you um and this is what i'd be c- careful about uh it's good to be rooted deep um but i think more than deep roots more than inner strength um i would encourage you to learn and seek to be as flexible as possible because uh the flexible tree is less likely to break um, and that's what I've found in my own experience. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I am very poorly paraphrasing Lao Tzu right now. <laughs> uh, that's, that's straight up Tao Te Ching kind of philosophy, but, um, I didn't have that in my life. Be a bamboo wood rather than an oak. 
Yeah. I didn't have that. And I'm really experiencing um, kind of being uprooted and hacked up and replanted and becoming a very different kind of tree. Um, But yeah, man, great talk. Uh, Anxious to hear if uh, Thomas deconverts you. I'm going to have to break (laughs) off for the... uh, that's not the, my goal. Um, my goal is just simply to I know. make it <laughs> No, and and that's the great thing and that's <laughs> that's what it's all about for us, you know. I'm I'm a very spiritual person. Um I have been a very religious person for the majority of my life, and I'm not exactly opposed to religion. It just depends on how you view religion. Uh and and that's what I I just encourage people be flexible. And uh, if you want to say that in a cre- Christian way, be graceful. <laughs> Show people grace. Uh, you don't have I'm to tell to everybody they're wrong. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, right on, man. I try okay. my best to be. If, uh, if something were to be presented to me that was absolutely profoundly correct and it was opposed to me, I would go to it. Right. On. Um, I'm not shut down per se. I just feel rooted. Right on, man. Well, that's great. I look forward to. I'm gonna have to break off tonight, but I really look forward to the um, hearing the uh, the after show. So you guys have fun. Uh, it's great talking with you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I'm privileged and honored to be part of this podcast. And if you're listening. I greatly appreciate you. Keep on, keep on, on. Keep on trucking. I'm going to head out of here. See you guys. See you, man. Be safe.